This Front Row Rugby episode appeared originally on YouTube. My guest today on Front Row Rugby is former Springbok wing Tondurai Chavanga. Tondurai, welcome. It's great to have you here. Wonderful, Peter. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Uh, I've had a, I think I've managed to watch one or two interviews, and uh, I think I think you've, you know, started something that's really cool. That's very kind of you. Thank you very much. Let's begin with the trivia question before we start our conversation. In 2010, the Springboks started their international season away from home. Who did they play against and where? If you know the answer to that, you can put it in the comment section down below. We'll also find out if Tondurai knows the answer, but we'll do that at the end of the conversation. Tondurai, let's begin with your journey from Zimbabwe to South Africa. Tell me about that. So my journey from Zim to South Africa was, uh, I mean, firstly, I mean, my, my, my rugby journey really started by watching the 95 uh, Rugby World Cup. Um, and I was inspired by watching, you know, South Africa play uh, against uh, New Zealand. Uh, but prior to that, I didn't know much about rugby, uh, except that you know it was a it was a sport of uh, very big, very big men uh, chasing chasing after a small little ball for eighty minutes. Um, and uh, but I think you know, sort of, even though I was I was quite young, uh, I sort of understood the uh, the occasion uh, in the sense that. You know when uh, when Madiba lifted that trophy and he was wearing Fonso's, uh jersey, what it meant for for South Africa. So for me as a youngster, you know my mom uh, used to travel to to South Africa, obviously from Zimbabwe to South Africa to to um, you know buy uh, certain certain goods, whether it be clothes, food, and sell it back home. And so she you know she would come back and uh, tell me about all these stories about South Africa. So I had uh, pretty much two, uh, I suppose, conflicting views of what South Africa was. One was that it was a land of opportunity, uh, but the other was that it was uh, uh, a segregated country. So for me to see the night, to watch the 95 World Cup and what the victory uh, meant to South Africans, I suppose not only as South Africans, but for Africans in uh, and as a whole, uh, it was quite uh, quite a telling moment. It really made me look at rugby differently, and that was that rugby was more than just just uh, just a sport. Uh, but you know, it it was a lot. It was it had a much bigger meaning to it. So I was fortunate enough to have um, the following year. Uh, I uh, rugby was introduced at my uh, at my school. I started playing rugby, started loving it, um, and. Uh, Pretty much from there, I then went to a, uh, a school called Prince Edward, uh, which is a really good rugby school. Um, tradition of I think well over a hundred. I think it's I think this year is will be celebrating. I think I stand to be corrected, but I think about 130 years. Um, you know, we have had several Springboks uh, playing coming out of our school, including uh, Dave Smith, Ian Robertson, who was one of my coaches. Um, so you know, I had this 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 dream of playing for the Springboks, um, and I was fortunate enough to. Uh, yeah, I think the fact that I was coached by Ian Robertson really made it made me feel that it was also possible. And I think also uh, going back to the '95 World Cup, having seen Chester Williams as a black player, uh, he wasn't particularly uh, as big as the other players, but he was fast and he was nimble. So I could sort of relate to that. I was like, hey, you know what? 
I'm not the biggest guy, but I got a bit of gas so I can uh, I can run my way out of out of trouble. Uh, and uh, so you know, when through uh, I suppose uh, the various tours that we had with Prince Edward, going to St John's Festival, uh, and you know, obviously playing in the Craven Week, I was uh, I was afforded um, you know a few options uh, to come to South Africa. Uh, I eventually sort of chose to go to uh, to the Free State. Uh, and I think it it turned out to be a a pretty good move because um, I suppose I was kind of fast tracked into into you know into 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 playing quite quite early. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, rugby is something that that I wanted to to play professionally, and uh, I was really fortunate that uh, it it worked out well. Tondra, I remember seeing you for the first time playing for the Stormers in two thousand and four. Now. You and I are more or less the same age, born in the same year. And that was a bit of a moment for me because there I was watching you, living your dream. And there I was sitting on the couch watching you. And I just, that was one of those moments where you just realize, okay, you know what? I've got no talent and it's really not going to happen. But on that day, you were playing at fullback and eventually you switched to wing. Talk to me about how that uh, came about. I actually played fullback at school. Um... I think uh, you know. I, I played fullback uh, at school, and I think playing fullback sort of gave me that uh, that option of of being 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 involved in the game a lot more. Uh, I had a decent long boot, but unfortunately, it wasn't always con- consistent. I could uh, kick the ball a mile when I kicked it, but uh, uh, you know, I often did not uh, did not strike it quite well. <laughs> so um, yeah, so. Yeah, when I played my first game for, I think my first game for the Stormers, uh, I actually came off the bench. And I think the match that you're referring to would have been against the Bulls when I played uh, against the Bulls at fullback. Um, but you know, I, I felt, I felt quite comfortable. Uh, I would have been more of a running fullback than a, than a kicking fullback. Um, yeah, I felt, I felt pretty comfortable. I played a little bit at center at, uh, when I was at the free state at under 20 level. But uh, I think center was not quite the position for me, but I felt quite comfortable playing both fullback and, uh, and, and wing. How did it feel being called up for the Springboks for the first time? Man, jeez, uh, it was... You know, when you've worked, when you've dreamt and you've worked hard for, for something and it, that, that moment finally comes, uh, it was really surreal. Um, you know, I... I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I've got no words to describe the feeling, uh, but you know, I was incredibly, incredibly blessed and uh, and felt really felt honoured, uh, not only to to be uh, to be representing uh, South Africa, but uh, as a proud Zimbabwean uh, myself, I really felt as well that it was also in, an inspiration to to you know to youngsters coming from Zim uh, that they could also make it. But I think even from when you look at from from even from a South African standpoint, uh, the fact that uh, a, a young uh, Zimbabwean-born uh, you know player was able to play for the Springboks uh, also meant that hey, you know what, you live here in South Africa, you can definitely do it. If a foreigner can come here and and get selected to play for the Springboks, uh, so can you. Uh, and uh, I mean, I will forever be indebted to Jake White. Uh, I actually met Jake when. I was in when I was in high school when I was in high school playing for Prince Edward. So I met him uh, at the St John's Festival, 
And uh, funny enough, uh, when I moved to the free state, um, I, you know, one of these, on one of these fine uh, Wednesdays, you know, n- normally on Wednesdays, you've got your, uh, you've got your, your day off. So I really felt, you know what, I need to put in a little bit of extra work. I ran down to Shimla Park, which was probably about three or so Ks, and I started doing the stairs. And uh, as I was training, Jake and the 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 and it's SA under twenty one, they then came to the stadium and started training. And there was busy running by myself. And Jake called me, and he was like, "Hey, I remember you from uh, from St John's Festival. You you know you you're from Prince Edward." Uh, and then he's like, "Hey, you know what? I'm I'm gonna be watching you." And uh, he was true to his word. Uh, from there, he called me up to the SA under twenty one, uh, and I re- I will never forget. You know, when he called me up to the SA under twenty one, he said, "Look, I don't care where you come from, uh, I don't care who you are or anything like that. As long as you are playing well uh, and you are in great shape, I will I will select you." Uh, so, yeah. So you know, he kept to his to his word and. Uh, I suppose when when I was eligible to to be selected for the Springboks, he you know he gave me that uh, that honor of playing for the Springboks. And then your debut itself was actually phenomenal, scoring six tries against Uruguay in East London. How do you remember that day? I mean, I'll never forget. Uh, so the night before the the night before the game, uh, Jake wrote me a letter uh, uh, just talking about how proud he was uh, of me. And that I must go out uh, and uh, go and you know express myself and not feel any pressure, just you know just go and do what I always do. Uh, and you know when they when the game started, I was, you know, I guess the nerves were there. Uh, but you know playing with a guy like Percy at the back, um, uh, Brian had, Brian Brian Abano was the other winger. Uh, we started we had. Uh, on the inside as well, you know, we had Marius, uh, Marius Jube, uh, Jean was there. Uh, so, you know, those are guys that I played with as the Stormers as well. So they made me feel very comfortable. Uh, so the occasion was not too big for me. Uh, but then obviously the first, uh, the first try, I think I stepped out of line. Uh, I, I stepped out of, uh, out of bounds or something like that. And it wasn't awarded. And I was like, Hey, you know what? Not a bad start. Uh, nearly scored a try. And, um, uh, obviously, as as the tries started coming in, uh, Jake actually got a message onto the onto the field uh, that uh, that the team must give me the ball so I can break the record. So I owe that uh, that record to Jake and the rest of the team. So <laughs> yeah. That's a great story. Now, your next test match only came about two years later. It was in the Tri-Nations in what was effectively a reserve Springbok team away from home in New Zealand. Did you realize at that moment that you probably were not going to get to go to the World Cup? Yeah, look, I think the great thing about Jake was that Jake was always transparent with everybody. So everybody pretty much knew where they stood. So I can tell you from the first test, from the first test that I played, uh, and from the first camp that I joined the Springbok team, uh, Jake White, uh, he had already, he had said, look, this is, this is the ideal team. This is the team that I have for now for the World Cup. <laughs> and already, you can imagine in 2005, he already had the team that he thought was going to, he was going to take to the World Cup. And he told us that, well, you know, you guys are sort of in this bracket, but everybody has got an, has got a chance to play. So I think for myself, um, I had a lot of injuries, uh, you know, 
I know that I only played four tests, but of those four tests, I was invited uh, quite a number of times to 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 be in the box uh, box squad. But uh, like you mentioned, that uh, that uh, Tri Nations uh, squad. So I was actually meant to play the Australian game, but uh, the night the the sorry the night before we were to I think it was the night before we were to leave for for the Australasian tour. I, I I injured my hamstring, so I couldn't. I wasn't then eligible to be selected for that uh, for that Aussie Aussie game. I think JP ended up playing, um, but you know what? Be that as it may, I think I kind of I, I was still hopeful that I could make it, but I knew that I had a, I had an outside chance of uh, of uh, of making it to the box game. And then in 2008, you were back in the Springbok setup, playing against Wales in a two-match series at the start of the international season. Peter de Villiers had taken over as coach from Jake White at that stage. Talk to me about the differences that you personally experienced in the two men's coaching uh, philosophies. For me, you know, Jake White uh, is in a league of his own as a coach. Um, uh, I don't know if I'm being biased because of my relationship with him, but he's just a, for me, he's just a phenomenal coach. I think... His record speaks for itself. Uh, everywhere he has been, uh, he's kind of like been Mr. Fixit. Uh, if you look at, um, you know, whether it be at the Brumbies, at Montpellier, uh, at the Springboks, when he took over the Springboks, uh, the Springboks were, you know, we were we, had, we were really a disaster. We were coming out of a very bad period. Uh, but he was able to, to mold that team, get young guys in. Uh, and more than that, I think the thing that, Jake doesn't get enough credit for is that uh, he's got, I think, quite a number of coaches maybe don't necessarily have that, but he does whatever is best for the team. So uh, if you look at that World Cup, um, the, the the World Cup management team that obviously that won the 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 it was France, right? Uh, the, the 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 World Cup in France. Uh, you know, he brought in Tim Lane, he brought in Eddie uh, Eddie Jones, he brought in Cheryl Calder. He brought in so many guys, so many people that he knew that um, they were going to add tremendous value. So I think his ability to assemble a great technical uh, backroom staff is, is one of his great strengths. Uh, also, he's got incredible foresight in terms of planning. Um, and I guess with him... Uh, if he begs you, uh, he begs you 100, uh, 150%. Conversely, unfortunately, if he doesn't, it's, uh, there is no, <laughs> there's no much hope for you. Uh, obviously, Peter has got a very different style of coaching. Uh, he, uh, well, certainly my experience with him was that uh, he allowed the players to take more of the lead, uh, which worked because, you know, he had a senior group of players like, you know, like John Smith, Victor Medfield. Farid Dupree and those guys, you know, they uh, that were very experienced and still playing, not only with the experience, but they were still playing, very much playing on top of their game. So, uh, yeah, that's my that's my experience. Uh, you know, I think Jake White for me, Jake White and Rossi by far are the best coaches that I've had. Now, I know you had a few injuries along the way. How frustrating was that for you? Well, I think you're putting it quite lightly when you say I had a few injuries. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can tell you, I have uh, I have almost injured just about every single part of my body. You know, <laughs> um, look, it was it was frustrating. It was incredibly frustrating because it always seemed as if when I had a bit of momentum, uh, when I was getting back into form, 
then something happens and then I'll have to, you know, to go back to the drawing board, doing rehab, at times uh, going uh, going through surgery first, rehab, and then getting fitness, getting, getting my fitness going again and then, you know, getting back again. So, look, it was really difficult. Uh, it was difficult physically. It was difficult emotionally uh, as well. Uh, I'm sorry, not emotionally, mentally as well. Uh, but I suppose, you know, it's one of those things where, um, you know, you, you've just got to learn. To, you don't have a choice, but you've got to pick yourself up. So you can, you know, you can be like, oh, but why is this happening to me? And then, you know, sort of stay in the gutter. Or you can say, well, it's another opportunity to perhaps during this downtime, I can do other things that I would not have been able to do while uh, I, I was playing. So I found that as well as a, as a nice opportunity to to uh, better myself, uh, make more, build my network business-wise. Um, and yeah, look, I think for me as well, um, the fortunate thing is that I learned from a pretty early stage in my career that um, it's important to comp uh, to compartmentalize my life. Uh, rugby, I absolutely love rugby. But rugby is what I do and not who I am. So when I was injured, I was still able to function because I wasn't, I was Tondera. I wasn't Tondera, the rugby player during that time, but I was just Tondera. Uh, and it's the same as well as my post-rugby career. Uh, whilst I had other different struggles, but from a mental standpoint of being out of the game, it, was a, it wasn't a struggle at all because I had already sort of said to myself, Rugby is going to come to an end at some point and, uh, you know, just prepare yourself mentally for, for what comes next. Now, you only got to play four test matches for the Springboks, but you are fondly remembered by the fans. I mean, they are guys who played 30 or 40 tests and nobody remembers who they are. How does that make you feel? It really is special. I mean, I unfortunately now it's uh, people people often see me and they are, they are not sure if it's me or if it's Sia. And I look, to be honest with you, I don't know where they where the resemblance is, uh, but uh, you won't believe how many people come up to me and they're like, "Hey, see a Colise." I mean, I had a so after the after <laughs> after we won the World Cup, um, um, uh, the 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 last where was the last World Cup again? Why am I forgetting now? Twenty nineteen Japan. Yeah, yeah. After we won the the, the Japan World Cup, uh, I was um, I was in uh, in Dubai. And this this Muslim guy comes to me and he's like, "Hey, see, can I have your autograph?" <laughs> so yeah, look, uh, uh, it's 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 an incredible honor to you know to still have people recognize me um, for rugby and just have general chats. But uh, you know, I mean, I'm I don't I never really I take it more as a as an honor and a, and a, and a privilege than anything else. Otherwise, I mean, I'm just just a regular guy, you know. Okay, so remember I told you earlier how I dreamed of playing for the Springboks as well, and obviously it didn't happen, and there I was watching you living out your dream from uh, the comfort of my mother's couch. Now, obviously, there are millions of kids in South Africa that dream of playing for the Springboks, and I think it's fair to say that they think that if they achieve that dream, they're going to play 100 tests, they're going to play for a decade. But in many cases, that really isn't what happens. I mean, take, for example, you. You only played four test matches. We had Tim Glulani on the show uh, about 10 episodes ago or so, and he only played 10 minutes. That was the end of his Springbok career. What would your advice be to youngsters? I think what's important uh, really is uh, 
certainly for the for the youngsters that want to play uh, professional rugby is by all means pursue your dreams uh but at the at the same time um when you look at the numbers and the success rate um how many guys actually end up playing prof- one professional rugby two playing for the springboks um and how many players have we had that have played never mind over 100 games how many players have we had that have played over 20 tests over 50 tests um so it's it's so important to if there's one regret that i i have uh is that when it comes to the rugby side is that i wish i had actually made sure that i studied um look you, not everyone is an academic uh that's the reality but i think studying uh and uh whether it be getting a degree or getting a course or doing some sort of a trade is so important because the reality is that even if you do make even if you do play 100 tests uh even if you play 20 tests uh whatever for however long your career is uh it's it's going to come to an end at some point and you need something to to then fall back on uh so i think for all the youngsters out there i would really encourage them to um to have a backup plan uh and i mean apart from that you know there's the old cliche hard work uh is there's no substitute for for hard work so talent talent can only get you so far i've played with i uh, know so many guys that were talented but a lot of them didn't take the next stage because you know maybe they didn't work hard enough who was your toughest opponent that's a really difficult one um i think if 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 you look at whether it be super rugby or test um so you've got let's say week 1 you're playing against the bulls you're playing against brian abana week 2 you're playing against uh, the blues you've got uh, joe rokothoko uh week 3 you've got the chiefs you've got sivivatu <laughs> and 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 so it does not there's no resting uh, uh but you know i think there is uh, there, there i was fortunate enough to have played with really to play against some of the the best players in the world uh, it's really difficult to say who was uh the toughest um you know opponent i think you know between uh whether it be Brian Abana you know Joe Rokotoko uh i mean it was i must say it was always tough against playing against the the particularly the the Fijians because those guys are like 110 115 kg and they can run just as fast as you <laughs> so <laughs> What is the funniest moment that you can share with us from your time with the Springboks? Maybe not so much with the time with the Springboks. I like there's there's a lot of funny moments, but I think one of the funniest ones was when we I was with the Lions um and we went to Australia. Um this this would have been around 2010-11 I think. Uh so on this particular Dick was Dick Mio was our coach. Uh so he said, "Look, uh let's rather rent out minivans uh so that the guys can get around a lot freer as opposed to to having like one of those big buses uh then you know then there's not much sort of freedom of movement so uh lot and be all we had you know we were sort of uh, grouped into let's say groups of six six or eight or whatever uh so on one of the occasions uh a guy called Hannes Franklin um was driving so he's driving uh, in Sydney there and uh you know those height restriction tunnels uh so we, i wasn't in the i wasn't in the van at the time but anyhow so 
there was a, there was a, a pathway that, um, that that he had to drive through, but it, it was you know it was there there was a height restriction to it, and he sort of didn't adhere to that. He thought everything was going to be fine, and he drove through, <laughs> and, and he found out very quickly that uh, that he had made a very bad bad decision. So uh, by by the time by the time they got back to to the hotel, the you know the the van looked a little bit like a like a convertible. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine what that looked like. So, Tondurai, tell us, uh, what are you up to these days? So, we've got a, a private uh, membership club. Uh, so, it's essentially a business networking uh, uh, organization of over 2,000 uh, uh, global leaders uh, and it's sector agnostics. Um, and uh, so, it's an incredible way for business, you know, business uh, leaders, whether it be uh, entrepreneurs, investors, uh, policymakers, philanthropists to 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 engage. Uh, it's called the S Group, uh, and I've also got a consulting uh, consulting business. Uh, so the consulting business focuses on strategic partnerships and uh, deal facilitation. So I get involved with uh, with various uh, sort of uh, um, opportunities to facilitate deals. So you're keeping nice and busy. That's great. Yeah, it's always <laughs> a good thing, and. I- I always say that uh, it does not hurt being nice to people. You know, net, networking is something that I that I love. I love getting to know people, so I, I'm very much doing what I what I love. Let's have a look now at that trivia question again from earlier. In 2010, the Springboks started their international season away from home. Who did they play against, and where? Do you know the answer, Tondurai? No, I've actually got no clue. But I know that, I mean, we normally play against Wales in the beginning. Um, so I think it could be against Wales at the Millennium Stadium. That is exactly right. Well done. Well done. 34-31, we won that test match in Cardiff against the Welsh. Tondurai, that does bring an end to our conversation today here on Front Row Rugby. Thank you very much. It was lovely having you on as a guest, and I hope we can have you on again in the future. Fantastic. Peter, thank you so much. It was great being on uh, on your show. Great chatting to you, and all the very best with uh, with what you're doing. Last time on Front Row Rugby, we had former Springbok Centre and 2004 Tri-Nations winner Devet Barry on the show. You can go and have a look at that video. It's appearing on the screen right now. Next time, we'll have another former Springbok Centre, Dick Muir. This Front Row Rugby episode appeared originally on YouTube. If you enjoyed this content, please consider subscribing and sharing with your friends. See you next time.